0: even gotten to the point where they said they tried that Jesus thing, but it didn't work for them. What did they try? They didn't try Jesus, they tried religion. Because you cannot really try Jesus and walk away from Him. You know, the answer is not religion, it's understanding and responding to the love of God for you. We're doing a series right now called Marked by Love, and uh, we're looking at the question, uh, what does it look like today in our lives to be marked by the love of God? What does it look like today for our lives to be marked by the love of God? And the scripture verses that we jumped off of, the first one was found in Matthew chapter 17, uh, verse 5. And it says this, While he, Peter, was going on like this, babbling, a light, radiant cloud enveloped them. This is Jesus, the the transfiguration is what they call it. A light, radiant cloud enveloped them, and sounding from deep in the cloud a voice, This is my Son, marked by my love, focus of my delight, listen to him. And so the words, we know that the, God had only spoken very few times. After 400 years of silence, he spoke and said, when Jesus was baptized, this is my son marked by my love. And now the end of Jesus' ministry on earth is arrived. And what does God come out and say once again? This is my son marked by my love. Focus of my delight. Listen to him. And so it's interesting. So what does it look like to be someone... See, Jesus was marked by the love of God. He was noted because the love of the Father was just, He was all about the love of the Father. He came to do everything He saw the Father do, and, and God is love, right? And so, one of the questions was asked earlier on, before the baptism of Jesus. You know, John, who was baptizing people, answered, answered some normal people. He had just finished ripping apart some religious people for being really religious. You hypocrites, you snakes, you vipers. And then the rest of them were like, hey, if these guys are having a hard, t- if these religious people... You see, their understanding was religion is what saved Following the rules and regulations is what's saved. But now all of a sudden John is coming along and he's calling the most religious people around. He's calling them vipers. He's calling them snakes. He's calling them whitewashed tombs. And they're sitting there thinking to themselves, well, if these guys don't have any hope, what hope do we have? And so the normal person was asking John the Baptist, What what hope is this? What hope is there for us? And so John the Baptist answers them. He gives them an example of what a changed life looks like. Say, "Changed changed life. All right. So the crowd asked him, Then what are we supposed to do? And John responded, This is what a life looks like marked by the love of God. He said, If you have two coats, give one away. He said, Do the same with your food. Taxmen. Then he, he started speaking to the tax collectors that were in the midst of them. They came to be baptized. He said, teacher, what should we do? He told them, no more extortion. What were these guys used to doing? They were used to taking advantage of people, weren't they? No more extortion. He said, collect only what is required by the law. Soldiers asked him, what should we do? He told them, no shakedowns no blackmail, and be content with your rations, and so he was, John the Baptist was saying, this is what, you're coming to be baptized by me, a baptism unto repentance, but this is what, uh, someone who's really repented, this is what their life looks like, it's not just someone who goes to church, because going to church won't save you any more than sitting in your garage going, we'll make you a car. All right? Or or flipping putting yourself on the grill at McDonald's does not make you a hamburger, right, does it, Josh? That's right. And so we need to live a life that is marked by love. Tell the person next to you marked by love. You need to be marked by love. All right. And so over the last 2 weeks Dr. K and Pastor Shannon Gave us their thoughts, and it was it was just a wonderful an addition, wonderful foundation, just to continue on this morning. So let's continue today, and I want to talk about um, I want to talk about uh, words. And one of the things we want to talk about here today is anybody notice the tendency of churches today to go away from names that have a, an association with a group or a denomination? Does anybody notice that? Twenty years ago, it was First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third and Fourth Baptist. Uh, it was Pentecostal Assemblies of, it was Methodist this, it was the name of the town, then Methodist Church, and, and what are the name? the names are now, like Snowflake Church and, <laughs> and, and Rock Church and Community, you know, everybody's taken out, everybody's taken out, they've taken out Pentecostal Assemblies of and they've put in Kitchener Community Church or Waterloo, you, you get the idea, right? A lot of people are, are changing the names. And why do you think they're doing that? To be culturally relevant? That might be part of it. Ah, <laughs> I think that's more the reason. Is because when you, all of a sudden you adopt the name Baptist in the background. Or you adopt the name Pentecostal. Certain things come to mind in people's minds when you do that, don't they? Yeah, so when when, when you tag on the word Pentecostal, people sometimes think, oh, you're the the ones that swing from the chandeliers, right? When the reality is, is I've been in a lot of Pentecostal churches in my life, and I've yet to see one person swing from chandeliers. Oh, you're the holy rollers, right? You guys, that I've seen. Or or maybe they should call themselves, you're the barking church, aren't you? Or the la- You get the idea. P- churches, are, they're getting away from that. Why? Because of the baggage that is associated with the different names. You know, you, in the States, you want, a lot of churches are getting away from the Baptist name because of a group called Westboro Baptist that goes out and they, they, they protest everything. And they protest all the wrong things. And they're very judgmental in their attitude. And and so there's a lot of good Baptist people out there, but they're changing their name to Redemption City. Or they're changing their name to to something else. Why? Because baggage comes with the term. I mean, there's enough baggage that comes when you just say you go to church, right? All of a sudden, somebody who had an experience with a bunch of hypocrites, somewhere, nowhere close to you, all of a sudden, they bring up what somebody did wrong, right there 's baggage that comes with oh you 're a Christian, are you why? Because they had an uncle Johnny who abused them, who was supposed to be a christian, and so these things come these things come with baggage the term christian the term church, the, 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 the tags with the different denominations, etc. These words are filled with baggage of people who have done things wrong, but they also carry a lot of baggage of people who don't do anything. Churches who just sit around and full of people who don't do anything, who don't do what Jarrell did. Come on! Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? When you see a neighbor in need, get out and do something about it. When you see someone in need, isn't that what Christianity is all about? It's not about just showing up at church. Well, I've checked off my list for this week. I've gone to church. I prayed over my meal. I'm good. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. It's all I need to do. You know, there's a lot of Christians who are noted for what they don't do. Even more so than what they do do. You know, and so calling ourselves a Christian... Sometimes has little to do with Jesus today and more to do with what culture, doesn't it? The family you grew up in, the, the, maybe the church that you've attended all of your life. Well, I'm a Christian because I, I grew, up in, grew up in a home that's Christian. How many people have ever heard that one before? Or thought that one? Well, I, I went to church all my life, and so therefore I, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. You know, some of the things that you do, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, some of the things when you do a search on the phrase, Christians are. So if you went to Bing, Yahoo, Google, and you did a search, you're going to find a lot of different things. You're going to find they're persecuted. That's one of the big ones that's on there right now, persecuted. But you know what else you're going to find mixed in there? You're going to find Christians are, and then the head phrase is going to be annoying. You know another one you're going to find when you, when, you, when you Google it? Hate-filled. Hate-filled. That's one I found. Another one is guess this is the big one: Christians are hypocritical. They're hypocrites. Another one I found was Christians are delusional. Another one I found is Christians are and then narrow-minded. Well, yeah, but how do you really feel? Is it any wonder that people don't like Christians today? I mean, they haven't met real ones. You know what I mean? They've met the ones that have been inoculated. They've been given the Christian vaccine. They, they went to church. They got baptized as a little baby. And they got just enough religion to keep them from getting the real thing. And, and so they know just enough about this, that. They know just enough about religiosity. They, ju- they know just enough to get to church and say the hallelujahs and the praise the Lord's in the right place. But as soon as they leave, it's like, man, their life is nothing resembling God. You know, I, I think it's too late. I often thought well, if we could be called anything, you know weeks ago we talked about the fact that Christianity, the word Christian was used as a, a, dis, a disparaging term, it was used by the world to describe the followers of Jesus, and it was, a, it was meant as a disparaging term. I don't think we're going to be able to change it at this point in things, are we? We can't change it, we can't all of a sudden, no we don't want to be referred to as Christians anymore, the reality is that we, we would be better off being called disciples, Right? Better off being called disciples. But the world isn't going to go for that. And so we need to change people's perception of Christians. And it's up to you and I. It's up to you and I to change the perception of the people around you. No matter what they've had happen to them in the past. You know, at the end of the day, I want people to see what? I want people to see Jesus in me. I don't want them to see that I'm Pentecostal, charismatic, evangelical... Uh, whatever the case may be, or or that I'm defined by my uh, affiliation to some political movement or society, whatever the case may be, I want them to think that there's something different about you and I. I want them to be able to look at you and not quite be able to put it because you're not religious like the normal religious people that they're around. You know, the religious ones who who, who won't, won't do this, won't do that, they're more noted for what they're against than what they're for. All right? I want you and I to be the church, to be the people that are noted, not what we're against, but what we're for. We're for loving people. We're for helping people. We're not for judging people. We're not for, we're not for standing up against and protesting this and protesting that. I want to be different. I want my life. I want your life. Each and every one of our lives here today to be marked not by our title of our church, not marked by, by the family that we belong to, the culture that we come from, but we are marked by the love of God. So that when people see you, they see the changes that John the Baptist was talking about. No more extortion. Being content. You know, not taking advantage of people anymore. I want to be different. Marked by the love of God. I remember the religious leaders who came to Jesus. And, and Dr. K talked about it. They tried to trap him. And they asked him, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And we discovered that he had a, they had a choice. Jesus had a choice of how many? 613. 613 laws, all right? And without any hesitation at all, what what did Jesus say? Here's what he said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important first on any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and prophets hangs from them. I mean, that must have absolutely blown these guys away, right? All of a sudden, the 613, but he just comes out and says to bring it real down. First one is what? Love God. And the second one is love people. Love others. And, and he says that everything revolves around these two commands. Everything. All the rest of the law. All the rest of that stuff, it all revolves around love. That's pure, that is simple. That's all there is to it. Love God and love others. And I got this to say, when you get these two right, everything else in your life will come together. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? You want to know how to deal with the struggles that you're going through? You want to know how to deal with the habits that you're battling with? You want to know how to deal with the mindsets and and things that aren't right in your life right now? If you get these two right, I will guarantee you, I'll give you all your tithe money back from the year. If your life doesn't get better, okay? I'll give it all back. Because this thing either works or it doesn't. And I know it works. That if you will focus on loving God and then loving other people, all those other things that we get caught up in, all those other things that we get sidetracked by and pulled apart and wondering this and one, all those things will come together and your life will come into order. If you will love God, pursue Him, desire Him, to know Him. And then if you will take that same passion that you have for God and then turn it around and when you see someone in need say, I'm not going to be the inactive Christian who sits back and does nothing, but I'm going to do something and love other people. That means you may have to love that family member that absolutely drives you nuts. Come on, we've all got one of those, don't we? Two, three, four, five, six. It It means you need to learn to love your spouse when they're not responding. Hello. It means you need to learn to lay down your life. If you're expecting, if you came into your marriage thinking this thing is about 50 50, you're in for a shock. Well, if I give 50, you're going to give 50. Eh uh-uh. eh. Don't work that way. Those of you who have this romantic you're, those of you who aren't married who still have this romantic opinion of of marriage that it's going to be all unicorns and fairy dust and he's going to be a hunk of a man and he's just going to you know he's just going to dote on me and, he, and and he's thinking she's going to feed me grapes and be my sex slave and and and, and you know just whatever i want who no, knew it's nothing like that whatsoever i know Well, pastor, pastor, I just don't know what God wants me to do with my life. He wants you to love him. And then love others. Everything else will come into line, I guarantee you. Stop worrying about your career. Love God. God will bump you in the right direction. You know what I mean? It's not that you just sit back and do nothing. Nothing. You you know, for for God to bump you in the right direction, you have to be moving. Okay? Alright, so there's forward motion in there. But if you will focus on loving God and loving other people, God's going to bump you in the right direction. Say this with me. Love God. Love God. Love Love others. Now, if you get these two wrong, you'll never be able to make sense of life. You'll never be able to make sense of life. Is anybody noticing a trend here from the first messages I preached to what Dr. K said to what Pastor Shannon said? Is anybody noticing a trend here? It's all about love. It's all about love. Instead, you know, sometimes we... we, to get back to that term Christian for a moment, sometimes we recoil at being a Christian today because of people that are known for being judgmental, people that are known for being political, people that are known for being hypocritical. And so, in the world today, the numbers aren't quite the same, but it's a shame that in the world today, uh, in the church today, Christians sue one another. It's a shame. It's a shame that Christians divorce one another. It's, it's a shame that men who call themselves followers of Jesus abandon their families all of a sudden. It's a shame that people get drunk like the world and, and, and think nothing about it. It's a shame that people engage in sexuality like the world and they, they think nothing about it. It's a shame that the people in the church today swear and talk like the world and, and they think there's nothing wrong with that. Is it, there, is it any wonder they don't want what we have? Is it any wonder they don't want what we have? Because maybe they're looking at us and they're saying, well, they, they cheat and they swear and, and they do this and they do that. you, you got to understand something. There are moments when people are watching you and you don't even know it. I, I don't know how many times it, it has happened in my life when, uh, especially cashiers today, kids today do not know how to count change. Okay? And so many times I've been to a cashier, whether it be Tim Horns, or whatever or other, and the things weren't going right on the machine, they couldn't do it on the machine, so they tried to Okay, your bill was three forty-seven, and you gave me four dollars. That means I owe you two dollars and eighteen cents. Yeah, that's right. You're right. And and you need to throw in another donut for that too, right? Oh yeah. Now, pe- people don't know how to—they don't know how to ca- count change, and it's a shame. I used to work at Max Milk, and when I was in high school, that's how I got myself through high school, paid for college, and all the rest of that stuff. And and I used to pride myself on my math skills. I, I purposely wouldn't use the machine, look at the machine, but figure out what it was first in my mind, and then look at the machine to see if it was correct to get the right numbers. But I don't know how many times. People have given me the wrong change. And sometimes it's been a whopper. You know, sometimes it's been uh, not just 13 cents or 27 cents. Sometimes it's been like $2, $5, and, you know, whatever. And right at that moment when that happens, guess what PD has an opportunity to do? You know, see, I understand something. I understand that because when I was the one who was the cashier, at the end of the thing, I I had to balance out. And I remember the days struggling when I had to give some of my wages because I didn't balance out properly. And that was working for my sister. Man, she was hard. <laughs> I, didn't, I know that when someone doesn't balance out, it comes out of their paycheck. And so I'm making sure that when someone gives me the wrong change, I'm taking it as an opportunity. Hey, hey, hey no, you gave me the wrong change. Here's the right amount. And then I'm sitting there going, okay, God, I know you're watching Maybe the person behind me is an angel, and I just I'm unaware about it. But I know I know this is a test. And you know what? I'd rather keep my character than 37 cents, an extra 37 cents. I'd rather keep my ma- I'd rather go to bed that night knowing I did the right thing. Does the world want what we have? Does the world want what we have? I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who who came to church at one point in his life. But I asked him I, this is when I was younger. I said Why don't Why don't you want to be a Christian anymore? And his answer was something along the lines of, why do, why, I don't want to stop pretending to be something that I'm not. He says, because I, I just keep coming to church and I'm constantly bombarded with the guilt. He says, I do what I want now and I don't give a flying whoo- what anybody thinks. What was he turned off by? He was turned off by the condemnation. He was turned off by the judgment. He was turned off by the people that didn't love him through his difficult moments in life. This guy got the vaccine to Christianity just enough to keep him from getting the real thing. As Dr. K said, you know, when you understand the love of God for you, when you really understand the love of God for you, when you really understand the love of God for you, it makes all the difference. When you're responding not out of fear of going to hell, but you're responding to God because of his love for you, it changes everything. Because when I was growing up, there was a whole bunch of us teenagers and kids that were getting saved because of the Armageddon movies that were going on. Does anybody remember? Blaine, come on, do you remember those things? Armageddon. And they would show pictures of rockets firing and and the insinuation that next week this is coming to your hometown and and you're going to have to take the mark of the beast. And if you take the mark of the beast, you're going to be lost for eternity. And, And if If you don't, here's what you can look for. And they showed this mobile decapitation center. It's like, who doesn't want to get saved at that point? I don't want to get hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be left on the earth to be decapitated, please. And so every Sunday night, they would show these movies about Armageddon. I would be running down to the altar once again. I wish somebody at some point, on trip number 20, okay? I wish somebody at some point on trip number 20, someone one of the older, wiser gentlemen, would have just grabbed me by the shoulder and said, "Hey, sonny, it 's okay you don 't need to get saved again tonight." But it was almost like it was almost like the preachers wanted it because the more people they had down there, the better they felt, and so there was just guilt upon guilt, upon guilt and shame. Well let's get the altars packed. I would rather rather have no one respond to the altar because as I'm looking out, I know that everybody A is saved, B knows they're saved and doesn't need to respond, if you know what I mean. But man, you want to talk about guilt and guilt and shame and oh man, I could feel the I could feel the eyes of 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 youth leaders, you know, when the altar call was given. Where's them young, where's that David? He needs to get saved again. I could feel the eyes. My my parents weren't too bad, but on occasion after my mom had whooped me, I sure could feel those eyes in the back of my head. Yeah, she just spanked me. I better get down there and get saved again. It's all we we really knew when I was growing up. Be saved. But I really didn't understand what that meant, to be honest with you. And I'm not quite sure why we still use that terminology today. Because it's, it's like insider terminology, isn't it? It's not terminology you can look to someone else and you walk up and say, are you saved? Hey brother, have you been washed in the blood? You go and say that to somebody and guess what's going to happen to you? It's like, whoa! Well, why do we even use that term? You see, when, 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 when we're coming to Christ because we res- we're responding to the love of God, it's a whole lot different than getting saved because you don't want to go to hell. It's a whole lot different. You see, what's going to happen is, is I noticed amongst all the teenagers that I was growing up, those who got saved because they were afraid of going to hell, they were the ones that weren't living right. They were the ones that were struggling. And it's not that the rest of us didn't have issues we were dealing with in our lives, but those ones, were they weren't even really trying. <laughs> they weren't even, on Saturday night it was, and on Sunday morning it was, you know what I mean? On Saturday night they were speaking other kinds of tongues, and on Sunday morning they were trying another one. They were, they got their ticket out of hell but they struggled to live a life and many of them gave up. Many of them gave up because they got saved but they didn't have an encounter with the love of God. I don't have really time to get deep on this next point but the reality is each and every one of us when we come to God we come to God with this big bag of sewage over our shoulders. So we come we come to, we come to God with this big bag of sewage on our shoulders and then and, and Romans chapter 3 sort of describes what it says. So So where does that put us? Do we Jews get a better break than the others? Not really. Basically all of us, whether insiders or outsiders, start out in identical conditions. Which is to say that we all start out as sinners. Scripture leaves no doubt about that. There's nobody living right, not even one. Nobody who knows the score. Nobody alert for God. They've all taken the wrong turn. They've all wandered down blind alleys. Am I describing anybody's past life? All right. No one's living right. I can't find a single one. Their throats are gaping graves. Their tongues sick as mudslides. Every word they speak is tinged with poison. They open their mouths and pollute the air. They race for the honor of sinner of the year. Litter the land with heartbreak and ruin. Don't know the first thing about living with others. They never give God the time of day. This makes it clear, doesn't it? that whatever is written in these scriptures is not what God says about others, but to us to whom these scriptures were addressed in the first place. And it's clear enough, isn't it, that we're sinners. Every one of us, in the same sinking boat with everybody else, our involvement with God's revelation doesn't put us right. He's talking to the Jews now. Our, our, Our involvement with God's revelation doesn't put us right with God. What it does is force us to face our complicity in everyone else's sin. What does that tell us? That we're incapable of fixing ourselves. We all came to God broken. Some of us were choosing different things to fill that void. Some of us were choosing uh, alcoholic beverages. Some of us were choosing drugs. Some of us were choosing sex. Some people today are going to choose legalized marijuana. Some people even went so far as to avoid all of that, and they chose religious activity. They chose to do good things. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to balance out the ledger. They know on the one hand that they're rotten before God and so they try to do good things. Well, if I do enough good things over here, is it going to balance out the bad things that I've done? We're all sinners. We're all sinners. What they've tried is religion. Some people have even gotten to the point where they said they tried that Jesus thing but it didn't work for them. What did they try? They didn't try Jesus, they tried religion. Because you cannot really try Jesus and walk away from